Welcome to the What's the Word podcast. I am your host, Tiffany Johnson. Now, have you ever wondered, what does the Bible, Jesus, Christianity have to do with the current world today? Well, this podcast is going to take current events, pop culture, history, and from a biblical perspective, look at its importance today. As we go into the word, we're going to be asking each other, hey, what's the word? Hey, welcome back to another week of What's the Word, the podcast. And I promise, I do promise. Oh, I don't know how deep I should promise this, but it is a promise is that we are going to go into Hallmark. I promise it has been one of those times of just schedules not working together. I'm so sorry. Believe me, I'm so sorry. You know, it's funny. I think my mom is probably more interested in that podcast than anybody on the planet. In fact, we got something in the mail and it talked about all the different Hallmark movies that were coming out. And my mom was like, hey, look, there's like three happening on this day. And I was like, I think my mom is more interested in watching these movies and me doing a podcast about it than anyone on the planet. The irony is that I actually really don't watch Hallmark movies. I know, gasp. Some of you might be like, I don't either, but I I watch them with the people that I love because I know that they love them. Uh, I do enjoy them to a certain extent, but I will be honest. I would take a adventure sci-fi, Marvel, Star Wars, shoot 'em up kind of stuff any day. I know. Now, but I will say I should I should be very clear on shoot 'em up. I can't handle the heavy stuff. So, um I just I just can't. So, when I say shoot 'em up, I'm probably thinking more of a lightsaber attack than I am about a gunfight. So, but nonetheless, about my own personal choices with movies and all those things, um, I do want to continue talking about church. Are we doing this right? I do believe that this is probably the probably the subject that's the closest to my heart for many reasons. Because I grew up in church, because I grew up in a traditional church, there's a lot of things I, I very much value. There's a lot of things that I tend to mention a lot concerning my grandfather, his impact on my life. Um, and one of the things that highlighted the most that I'm going to talk to you briefly about, um, not from his own life ministry, but what I see from the gospel that was reflected, is how much like I've talked about how I learned more about Christianity from outside the pulpit than when I did when he was on the pulpit. I believe that, you know, um, ministry tends to be heavy, heavy pulpit ministry. Now, do we need the pulpit? Yeah. Do we need pastors? Oh my gosh, we do. Um, we need shepherds and we do need people who God has put in our life to bring correction, to bring truth, to, you know, to be a good shepherd over our lives. And, um, God has ordained these people, and it's a reflection of his own heart over us. You know, he's the good shepherd of our soul, and I love that he commissioned um, Peter to be a shepherd immediately. You know, feed my sheep, Peter. And so the fu- the first thing that we see that even a commissioning, of course, is to go into all the world, the Great Commission, which we see. But we see that God establishes Peter to say, hey, they're going to need a shepherd. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? That whole conversation, then feed my sheep. And so God has such a plan for the community of God to be shepherded. And, and But I also believe that the church was never meant to be in the synagogue. I, I believe that 
in David's heart, it was about the place where God would dwell, right? So he wanted to create the tabernacle of God because it was a place where he could go and meet with God. It was that place where he didn't have the tabernacle continually. Now, I do believe that David was filled with the Spirit many, many times. But that indwelling, that total indwelling of his presence where God now lives, the tabernacle of God, now he has it in our hearts. Jesus made the way for that. And I believe that through that, yes, though the the church building is vital, I believe that we have been so heavy handed on leaning on it for how we proclaim the gospel, how we disciple people and how we go forth out into the world and to the fact that then we don't do it at all. I think the church has so leaned heavily on its buildings that it often uses it as a gate of the gospel, whether people who come into it are even worthy to come sit in its seats. Well, the gospel has always been for everyone. And so that's why when I'm talking about Jesus and talking about church, are we doing this right? Um, Are we doing it right when it comes to where the gospel is going, where where the church is involved, the church building is involved. I'm thankful, like I said, to church buildings. But the church in the beginning started, when I say in the beginning, I mean the Acts church after Jesus's resurrection, did start in the homes of these believers. Now, we also have to know context. Now, it was really dangerous to be a believer. They were meeting in homes, which in itself was even really intense because there was so much persecution happening even in the early church. And so they didn't really have a place that they could openly meet because it was not welcome or invited or um, they didn't have, they didn't have it. They just plain didn't have it. So the place where they had to begin was the place where they lived, the place where they dwelled, which was their homes. And from that grew the church. And as um, Constantine, you know, made Christianity basically the staple and we'll, that's a whole different story with Constantine. But um, but we look now and we go, God, where is his tabernacle? Where is the tabernacle of God truly? Well, the tabernacle of God is in our hearts. So I want us to focus on a few scriptures today, and we're going to kind of talk about this and go into the vitalness of the church without walls. I believe as far back as Matthew 3, we can see that the kingdom is not going to look like we think it's going to look. Now, back in the time of the Sadducees, Pharisees, they had synagogues at which they would gather and hear the word of God. And at that time, as we know now, uh, the written Torah was read by very few, but especially it would have to be by priests or scribes, um, those who could read, and the literacy you know, rate was not the highest um, back then at all. But you would have that, but their thing was, and it has happened since the very beginning when we see in Deuteronomy and with Moses, it says, it says, talks about writing it down, but it talks about also writing it upon your heart. Well, what did that look like? They would rehearse the word to each other. So when it talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, these were the things that says, you know, we'd write them down upon our hearts. Well, writing them down, you know, was repetition. It was repetition, 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 that they would speak it, and then the next generation would tell the next generation, the next generation would tell the next generation, so on and so on and so on. So that is how the stories of God, that's how everything was kept is, yes, you know, there was uh, people who wrote things down, but also there was the retelling of the stories. That was the thing that was 
memorized the most was the Bible stories and all the things. And so when we're opening in Matthew 3, um, we see John the Baptist, the forerunner who is now out in the wilderness. He's not in the synagogues. He's not, I'm sure he was not welcome in the synagogues, but he is out in the highways and the byways and telling people to repent. And he says this, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So I love this. That's in verse two says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And it says in verse three, that he is he who has spoken of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. Obviously, you know, you have these men who had been in the synagogues who are dressed in the most eloquent of clothes. And here you have John the Baptist who is covered in camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And of course, his food is locusts and wild honey. But yet people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan. They would confess their sins and baptize, be baptized in the Jordan River. So of course, you know, you have this man who has nothing about him. What is it? It's the call of God on his life, but he is the voice in the wilderness being that voice that says, Hey, come, 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 come repent and receive from the Lord. The kingdom of God is not in the walls of the synagogue though. God does still, I mean, he resides there. I'm not, I'm not saying that he didn't, but he is in with the people. God is out in the community. He is calling to those out in the community to come all to come to know him. And I believe that that is the amazement of me of even in this verse, when we look at even John the Baptist of one who is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And what does Jesus do? Jesus continues this ministry. We see Jesus, you know, where there's times that we see him in the synagogue, but most of his ministry was walking out in the highways and the byways. It was him talking about the kingdom of heaven. You know what I found very interesting when you look at when Jesus references the kingdom of heaven, it's often in parables where he says the kingdom of heaven is like, correct? So when you're looking at, you know, all the different ways that he says the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, um, we see that he uses everyday language. He doesn't use things pertaining to the temple, but the things that they would do with their everyday life, the things that would pertain to how they lived, you know, um, an example of that. It says in Mark 4, 26 through 29, and he was saying the kingdom of heaven and he being Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. He goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. How he himself does not know the soil produces crop by itself, first blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. Um, this is obviously, you know, King James. So that's a, a little bit, but... Um, but I, I look at that and I go, he related it to farming, the things that the everyday man at that time, or someone would have just a knowledge of, it wasn't this lofty speech of what it was like in the temple, the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't even use temple language at all. Um, and I, I love that because he uses the everyday experience to describe what the kingdom of heaven is like. So you know what that speaks to me? is that when Jesus says he goes and he performs miracles, when he lays hands on the sick, when he raises the dead, when he's meeting in homes, Jesus was not confined to the sanctuary. He was not confined to the tabernacle. 
In fact, it was in that place we often see him rebuking the church and its leaders. We find him going into the place where men were called to pray and overturning tables. And people talk about it, that he was upset they were selling. Well, yes, they were selling, but why does he say that my house should be called a house of prayer? Because they had taken the place where people could come and meet with God, the place where others could come that were outsiders, that could come and and interact with God, and they had turned it into a place of selling product. And and even if it looked like godly things, it was like right for the sacrifices. So, you know, you have birds, you have all these different things that people could point to and say, well, they're selling righteous things. They're selling things that actually would make them closer to God. Isn't that interesting that they were selling products that that would be a part of, you know, this is the thing that would um, forgive your sins and make you right before God, but God comes into that place and overturns it because in the heart of hearts, he knows that these people are not selling it for any other gain, but their own gain, but also they're actually being the very thing that's hindering. They're the hindrance of the relationship that they're called to have with him. Now, I believe the church, and I, I want to make sure I'm very clear that I do not believe that the church in itself is a bad thing. I mean, I, I want to be very clear. I love the church. I believe in going to church and having your godly community. We need it. We absolutely need it. Um, I am proposing that God is also calling us outside of it. Even as a church community, to be in the community, to be the answer to what's going on in the world today. Because there's a lot of great churches out there that are doing that. There's a lot of great churches who are uh, who commune, worship God together, and go out into the community and are His hands and His feet to those around them. And I, I love that because, yes, though there was stuff happening within the church that we can look now, when I say the church, the synagogues that we can look now and go, man, that, you know, Jesus was rebuking them right and left. And there is an invitation to go, Lord, are we doing this right? Is this what you imagined when you died on the cross, when you wanted us to go and make disciples? Lord, are we doing it the way that you wanted to? And that's my biggest heart. And maybe it's because I'm inviting you into my very personal story of me asking God in my life right now, God, am I doing this right? Is this what it's supposed to be like? You know, when I read the scripture, Lord God, you were out in the highways and the byways. You were out in the middle of the people. You were out telling them about who you are and what you are like. And I think that so many times we look at Jesus, he is the great evangelist. He is the one who is out calling people to come to know him. And, you know, not everyone's going to have that same calling to go out in the streets and maybe hold up a sign and, you know, tell people to repent. But there's people in our individual lives that God has called us to, whether it's in our workplaces or in our homes with our children, that God has called us to be an example, to tell them the truth of God's love and the good news of the gospel and what Christ has done for him. I love that the early church started out the same way. You see Peter and um, walking in the street and the shadow, his shadow being so anointed that the shadow of Peter is healing people because of the presence of God on his life. Wouldn't it be amazing to do like the old, I think about George Whitfield and John Wesley and all these great men of God and Charles Finney and a lot of these men who would go into places and people would start weeping 
start weeping under the the conviction of God. I can't remember which one it is, and, and forgive me for not remembering. I'm sure some historian is going to listen to this and immediately go, it was this person, because I can never remember if it was Charles Finney, if it was, um, I know it wasn't John Wesley, um, but it's the story of uh, going to the local mill to visit, and uh, while visiting, the people started that were working, started crying, <laughs> started repenting of their sins. The, the Spirit of God was so on the man of God that even in his presence of just being in this local mill, that people started breaking out with repentance and crying out to God because of God on this man's life, because of his obedience to love God and to take the kingdom of God wherever we go. And so really, even if today, if we focus on anything, it's just the call that God has called you to be the kingdom of God, to carry his kingdom, to carry his good news wherever you and I go. That, like I said, I think we can be so building, you know, so building dependent. We can be so pastor dependent. And the fact that we, you know, it's so easy to depend on the pastor to be the one who carries the good news. But he's really the one who equips us to proclaim it. You know, he's the one who's encouraging us to go into the places that we are, to be encouraged by God and to spread the message of Christ wherever we go. He really is, in a sense, a divine um, a divine coach, uh, coaching us as the team to know how to run the plays that get us to the goal. And I believe that God is calling us and equipping us to be that voice to be those in the highways and the byways, calling people to come to the come to the table. So church, are we doing this right? Are we doing this right? It's a question I'm asking myself. And, you know, I believe as we look at scripture, God is going to show us and is showing us how to do it right. That there's people, as, as he went, Jesus met needs and brought the kingdom. I love that when you look at Jesus, the miracle need that he brings is something that that person is, you know, obviously, whether it's sickness, um, whether it was hunger, God performs miracles, but in the miracle, he also displays what the kingdom is like. There's people in your life that have practical needs. Did you know that just by meeting a practical need, that's the kingdom of heaven expressed? When you do it in his name, I know we have kind of talked about this last week when we talked about bringing a cup of cold water in his name. But I believe that I want to hit this again and hitting this kind of stronger is that the kingdom of heaven is everywhere we go because it says the whole earth is filled with his glory. This is our father's world. Yes, the enemy has come to still kill and destroy. But when Jesus died on the cross, he redeemed all that was lost and the whole earth nonetheless has been filled and is filled with the glory of God. So we get to be carriers of that glory wherever we go to the people around us. And that God also wants to bring people that, you know, how many moments, and maybe you've had this, maybe you haven't, where you have been somewhere that is just not church and God has met you or God has brought a person to maybe give you a phone call to say, Hey, I was thinking about you. Or, um, maybe you've been out somewhere and someone's like, Hey, can I pray for you? You've just been on my heart. Or maybe, I, maybe you've never had anything like that. But I do believe that God does these things so often where he tries to show us that he is so beyond what we imagined him to be. 
He is so beyond, you know, when he came, he could have just stayed in the tabernacle and just said, you know, bring them all to me, bring them all to me so that they can hear because this is where I desire to dwell. But when Jesus died, he said, my desire is actually you. The tabernacle that I desire is your heart. And that's why, you know, we keep it clean. We ask God to wash us and to make us new is because that's the place where he can reside and dwell. He can only do it in the place that has been washed by the blood of the lamb. That is continually that place of holiness where the holy of holies can reside and dwell inside of us. God loves you so much. God loves the people in your life so much. And I will also tell you, he loves the person that you think is the hardest to reach. He loves the person that you actually think there's no way in the world they're ever going to give their life to Jesus. He loves the person that you think How are they ever going to get out of this lifestyle or change the way that they are so that they can actually know him? He loves them. He loves them enough to reach them. And he also loves them enough to reach them through you, through your life story, through your testimony of what he has done for you and what he is like. My grandpa was the greatest testimony to me. In fact, many years I despised his testimony. I would want to run. My skin would crawl when I was around him because I was in such darkness and he was living in the light. And I remember I'd be like, oh, just, oh, just every time he sang a hymn or, you know, would talk about Jesus, I just wanted to go hide. And now I can see it was, it was the fight within me. But the things I remember now was the things that I'm talking about is that God was planting seeds in my life in those moments when I didn't even realize it, even when I was not showing forth the appreciation for what he was doing, I appreciated it after giving my life to Jesus, but I did not appreciate it before then. And so I believe with all my heart that God uses people like you in your everyday life to minister to those around you, that you can pray that you can speak forth his word, that God has equipped you, that his tabernacle is within you. And so when God is in you, it says, even when you don't know what to speak, the Holy Spirit will help you to know what to say. That's all he's looking for is willing hearts to go where he wants us to go and to say what he would want us to say to the people that he loves around us. I believe that this is the first and second commandment lived out, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So church, are we doing it right? Are we out in the highways and the byways? Are we inviting people to come to know Jesus? Are we using the opportunities with waiters and waitresses about the people that we meet every day or maybe hold the door open for? Are we giving opportunities that, man, God is wanting us to be used to present the gospel to others? Are we depending on the church too much? Not that we can't not depend on the church. The church is there and it has systems and things that really do work. And God has mighty pastors and shepherds in place that God is using with programs and all those things. So a lot of those times, those are great opportunities. I don't want to dismiss those one iota because I believe that those are mighty weapons that we have. But I just want us not to think that that's all that we have. Because the truth is, is that we have many more weapons and many more opportunities that God wants to use to bring the kingdom 
to the city around us, to the people around us. And it might be within the church walls, but there might be ways that God just wants to use you in a simple interaction. And that will be life-changing in itself. Well, that's all for today. I'm going to say a simple prayer. If you today are feeling like, Lord, use me. I want to be used by you outside the walls of the church to bring your story, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Use me, God. I want to pray for you today. And if you've never made a decision to know Jesus, I can tell you Jesus is chasing you down. If you've even listened to this far, I can guarantee you he's chased you all the way because there's no way you would listen this far without God pulling on your heart. That's just the honest to goodness truth. Or maybe you've known Jesus and you just want to make a rededication to him that goes, God, you know what? I've hardened my heart and I want to turn today. Well, I'm going to pray for you first and then I'm going to pray for those who want to be used secondly. So if you want to give your life to Jesus or renew your relationship today, just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I ask that today that you come into my heart, that your tabernacle would be in me, and that you would make me new. Jesus, would you cleanse me, restore my relationship to you, and fill me with the fire of God that will never go out. Lord, I just thank you right now that I believe with my mouth and I confess with my heart, or I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. And today I am saved. Amen. Both believe and in your heart absolutely coincide with one another. And for those who would like the prayer, I'm going to pray for you as well. Lord, I just pray that for your church, that you would help us to see those without our walls around us. Lord God, a world that is dying and hurting, Lord God, that needs your truth, that needs the message of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would use our hands, our feet, our mouth, Lord God, to bring it to them. Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, that we're willing people. We're not always perfect people, but we're willing people, that we want you to have your way inside of us, and Lord God, that you would use us as well to proclaim what you have done, not just what you've done in us, but Father, what you do for all those who meet and encounter you. Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, for using us today like you did Peter and Paul and those wonderful apostles of old, Lord God, to proclaim your gospel to the nations. Lord, use us to the nations around us, to the communities inside of our own home. Lord God, I just thank you, Lord God, that you are God of all. Use us today. Amen. Well, I'm telling you, we are going to get to these other series, but we are stuck right now on this series, and it's probably, like I said, one of my favorites because it is such a vision of my life, um, giving you just honest insight to see God reach communities, even by meeting simple needs, but to see cities, to see nations, to see homes changed because Jesus Christ was able to do something outside of the walls of the church um, and maybe not unorthodox ways, but in ways that we couldn't think, ask, or even imagine, but man, partnering with him we can see that God is moving and that God is moving amongst the nations. He's in our streets. And I love that. I love to think that Jesus is walking through my downtown right now, looking at people and and desiring to touch them and to see them. And he's asking, man, who will be my voice? And 
You know, I believe that God has so many voices that he wants to use, including yours. So anyways, that's all for this week's What's the Word. I look forward. We will, I like I said, we will totally, totally get to Hallmark. And you know we're going to Wakanda, Wakanda forever. That's right. I'm so excited because it was so good. If you haven't seen it yet, I'm not going to give any spoilers. Promise, no spoilers. But it's stinking good, y'all. Stinking good, y'all. So anyways, God bless you. I will see you next time on What's the Word, the podcast. Thank you again for listening to What's the Word, the podcast. Like I said, I promise we're going to get to some Hallmark movies and some breakdowns soon. But if this message encouraged you, please hit subscribe. Please share with someone you think that this would minister to as well. And don't forget the November playlist is out with some of the best in Christian music for this month. We are getting our praise on, our thanksgiving on, and giving thanks to God for what he has done in this season, in this time of thanksgiving and being thankful for everything. I believe that you'll enjoy it. And of course, that is only on Spotify. And check out that playlist today. Thanks again. And I'll see you next time on What's the Word, the podcast.